0: as I said, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I got to confess to you, I love football. This is kind of, this is almost like Broncos colors right here. It's a little off. It's purple. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, no, that's red. That's, yeah. Anyway, uh, I kind of have grown up with the Denver Broncos, and I love them. Unfortunately, they uh, are stinking it up this year. Uh, I haven't figured out who I can, who I can root for in Texas. You know, um, I don't know if I can root for the Cowboys, man. It's really tough because they're lousy too. <laughs> the Texans, yeah, go Spurs. So, but I, I, I love football and I, and I, I love um, playing it, I love watching it. I'm fascinated by it. I, I try not to let it take a hold of my heart and cause me to worship it, but I do have to be diligent in doing that. And in fact, I actually played football. Yeah, I, I played football in high school. I was a high school football player. Yeah. Right here. I was uh, the skinniest and scrawniest kid on the team. And, uh, and I, I I should confess to you that I I I I did go to a small Christian school, (laughs) there weren't many people there, I actually played quarterback, yeah, I got a good spaghetti arm, and uh, I should further confess that it wasn't really tackle football, (sighs) hey, it was flag football, all you flag football haters out there, you all know that flag football really isn't flag football, it's tackle with flags, because they just grab you and throw you down and then rip your flag off. That's essentially what happens, especially when you're only 95 pounds dripping wet, which was me. And so I played quarterback, and you should have seen the other teams when they'd show up and they would, they would take a look at us. We were this skinny, scrawny little team. It reminds me of the coach who's describing his team. He said, well, they may be small, but we're slow. Um, so they, we, just, we would get out there on the field, and the crazy thing that would happen was that my brother was a wide receiver, and Brad, we'd been playing street football for 10 years by the time you know I was in high school, and so we had a thing going on, it was, it was awesome how we could read each other's minds. And so we'd get out there, these two little scrawny, skinny kids, and we'd start passing the football and, and running around them. It was so much fun, unless we actually came into contact with them, in which case we would get pummeled. Um, but but, uh, but I, I love football, and I played quarterback. I thought I'd give you a little demonstration. Anybody, anybody want to catch it? Anybody? Who, who, who thinks they can catch it? All right. Ralph, you want to, way up there? You think I can hit Ralph. I don't know. There's a bunch of equipment right there, Ralph. I don't know if I should do that. Do I'm gonna try it. It's a nerf. Here you go. Are you ready? You want to stand up or you want to? Okay, because can... I don't. I want you to be able to. Okay, here it comes. Ready? You ready? <laughs> Woo! I actually, I actually, that was awesome, Ralph. Good catch, man. Let's go out and play some street ball. Uh, okay, so I had this little demonstration planned for you. See, I, see, see, I got the guy with the ring up here. <laughs> I, originally, it was planned to be a ring of fire. But then we then we thought better of it in a movie theater. But I just I just love football, so I'm going to try to make it through that. Oh, nope. Somebody just got hit in the head. Here we go. One, one, one more, one more. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Oh, just over it. Okay, one more. One more. I got I got one. I got one more. Ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was sweet. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to lift that arm for another week. So I, I, I think football is an incredible sport, and I think what I want to do today on a day when we celebrate and many people worship this idea of football i want to use it as an analogy i want to use it as a lens for you to see the body of christ through i want you to see what football requires of people what football requires of men and women if they're so inclined to play it that it requires incredible teamwork it requires an awesome sense of coordination it not only personally but as a team You've got to pull as a guard. If you're going to pull and you're going to do a sweep, a, a running play, you, that guard's got to get out of his stance and run around two or three guys and begin to lead that running back around the end. And each of those, uh, each of those offensive linemen have to w- block an assigned player. It is an incredible thing to, to watch the chemistry of good football teams. They have to move together. They have to work together. It is it is a, essentially a tough man's sport. It is a, it, they wear helmets. They wear pads. And uh, some people think that rugby is the tough man's sport because they don't wear pads and they don't wear helmets. And they'd probably be right. But in the American world, the the American football is a really it's a, it's a game of hitting. It's a game of uh, of raw power. I want you to I want you to think about how. We are called, as a group of people, as a body of believers, that we are called together to work together, to coordinate together, to help one another um, grow, to help one another um, really accomplish a goal. That we are working together to, in a sense, cross a finish line, to, to make sure that we are scoring in the kingdom of God, that there is a score being kept. If you read Matthew 28, turn there with me, Matthew 28, verse 20. We've been reading this scripture over the last several weeks. Reading this scripture, it's Jesus and is his great commission to us. Matthew twenty, verse 28, or Matthew 28, verse, mm, let's start in 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. All authority has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What he said is, I've received all authority, and because I have all authority, now you can do this work. I'm going to give you my authority, and I want you to accomplish something. He commissioned his disciples, and he commissions us. And he says, I want you to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I think this is the way we define what we're after, that we define whether or not we're winning or losing, whether or not we're accomplishing the purpose for which God has placed us here by this idea, are people coming to know Him? Are people experiencing Him? Are people learning about him are they acknowledging him are they worshiping him that's what we're after that's what we're about is introducing other people to who he is if you look at this the apostle paul was no stranger to sort of the athletic analogy so turn in your bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 First Corinthians chapter 9 everybody everybody get your bible out turn in your bible yeah do do the work do the i'll wait for you to get there I think it's so important for us to use our Bibles when we come to church. I'm going to wait for you to, to get to the spot so we can read it together. I want you to underline in your Bible. I want you to write little notes in your Bible, things that you discover. Jesus is speaking to you, and when you engage like this with your Bible, it's, it, he, he really can, I think, speak more clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's start in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Wow, a slave to everyone. He's really busy. <laughs> I make myself a slave to everyone to what? What does it say right there? To win as many as possible. And then he describes in the next couple of verses how he, how he to the Jews, he becomes like a, a Jew. To a Gentile, he becomes like a Gentile. He, he helps them see what Jesus has done. He helps them see what God's plan is from their point of view. Verse 22, he says, to the weak, I become weak. And to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means. I love those three words there. I want you to repeat those with me. Everybody say it together. All possible means. Oh, come on. That's too wimpy. Say it. All possible means. Now, here's the thing. This kind of attitude doesn't come with sort of a laid-back kind of, you know, I'll, I'll kind of share the Lord with someone if, if the opportunity comes up. You know, I'm just kind of going through life. Man, I'm just trying to make it. I don't want to pressure anybody else to know who Jesus is. That is the wrong frame of mind. It is the wrong mindset, and it is a mindset that's come upon you by the culture that you live in. What we're involved in here is necessarily a fight between light and darkness. There is no way around that. And so, and so darkness has covered people's hearts, and they need to see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're engaged in here. It's, it's not an afternoon hobby on Sunday that we're involved in. So much like playing football, it is a commitment. It is a commitment to get up early and stay late. It is a commitment to engage with your team It is a commitment to connect. The Apostle Paul says, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in the race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? You know why he says this? He says, I want you to run like that guy. I want you to run like the guy who's in front. Everybody runs, right? Right? But I want you to run. You, if you're reading this, I want you to run like the guy who's going to get the prize. You're out in front, and you are running for your life because there's people all behind you <laughs> trying to get it from you, trying to take it from you. I want you to run like a man who's getting the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. <laughs> Turn to your name and say, uh-oh. Strict training. Strict training is what we're into. The Christian life, the kingdom of God, is about strict training. It's not about legalism. It's, it's not about making up a bunch of rules. It's about strict training to understand who God is, what He's doing in your life, and how He wants you to share Him with others. So we go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What he's saying is is here, if people train this hard to get a crown that's going to pass away, then shouldn't we be training just as hard for a crown that lasts forever? (coughs) Therefore, I do not run like a man, (laughs) excuse me, running aimlessly. I'm not just out for an afternoon jog. And so many of us, in in the way that we approach the Christian life, especially in our Western sort of 21st century mindset, we just, Christianity is really something that we use for our benefit. It's really just something that we pay attention to um, so that we can be sort of fulfilled in our lives. You know, it fulfills us. That's not the Christianity that Jesus taught. It's not the Christianity that Paul teaches. It's not, a, it's not a Christianity of convenience. It is a Christianity of sacrifice and offering your life to God. Now, you get a blessing when you do that. There's something really awesome that happens when you do that. But you've got to make a commitment to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, the Bible says, Jesus taught, and follow Him. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The Apostle Paul understood that he could be disqualified. That he could lose. He was aware of it. That's why he says here, I I put myself into strict training. I, I beat my flesh into submission to my purpose, to what God has for me. Make no mistake, that takes some doing. That takes perseverance. But here's here's part of our problem. A lot of us are content to sit and watch the game. We'd rather watch than play. And what I want to challenge you to do today is about four different things. I want to challenge you first to get out of the grandstands. Get out of the stands. You're up there. One of the reasons I love football is because of the food. There's nothing better than sitting in the stands eating some nachos. (sighs) I really want to eat these nachos right here, right now, but I'm not going to. There's something really wonderful about sporting events when you can sit in the stands and eat nachos. But here's the thing. You're not called to sit in the stands and, and eat nachos while your brothers and sisters are playing in the game. There is a sense at which sometimes we somehow we don't feel like we're ready or we're prepared to get into the game. We're much more comfortable watching it. We're more comfortable sort of seeing it happen. But God hasn't called you to be a spectator. He's called you to be a participant. He's called you to be a gamer. You're a gamer. You got to love the game. You got to know everything about it. You got to know what you're in for. You got to come with the team. You got to practice. You got to you got to give your life to it. Get out of the stands and give God a chance to do a miracle through you. Some people they're sitting in the stands because they're afraid they can't do it. Some people are afraid That they don't know what it is that God wants them to do. And they're kind of of content just to sit on on the sidelines. Go to to the the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Just to your right in the scripture. Turn over to your right to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul and he's talking about God and his intention. He says uh, his intent in verse 10 was that now, everybody say now, his intent was that now through the church, through you and me, through each one of us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. There is nothing in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual world that can stop you, that can stop the manifold wisdom of God. It's really true. That's what he's saying. His intent was that this be the case, that you are unstoppable, that you are a gamer, that you love the game, and that you have everything you need to play this game. He says, I want you to see that you <clears throat> have the manifold wisdom of God. It's made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom. What is it? Freedom and confidence. If there's anything you need to play this game, it's confidence. This is not a game for weak-willed people. If you don't have the confidence that you need, the option is not to convince yourself or to work something up. If you're not convinced, if you don't have confidence, what you need is to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus because you in and of yourself are not capable but Jesus in you and working through you is capable of all things. Jesus wants to inhabit you and he wants to connect in you and he wants to work through you. He wants to show you what his purpose is. Look at first, first Peter. Turn over just a little bit further to the right and turn to first Peter. First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is a, a verse that many of you are aware of, it's, but, but I want to read it here so you get it. But you are a chosen people. You were drafted. <laughs> God looked across the landscape of humanity and the university of humanity, and He said, I want that guy. He drafted you. He called you. He chose you. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood. I want you to underline that little word right there because we're going to get to it in just a second. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are belonging to God. And you may declare that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. (laughs) Once you weren't on the team. But now you are a team. Now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've received the mercy of Christ. You've received what he has to give you, and that makes you capable, able. That makes you who you are. You are a priest in your own right. You are a king in your own right. Jesus has made that for you. He's made you that way. Now, one of the most important things that I think is significant for us is to understand what this means. What does it mean to be a royal priesthood? It means that you are the one that God wants to speak to and to use to minister to other people. You don't need another intermediary between you and God. You don't need another man in order to get to God. Jesus came so that you could be in relationship with our heavenly father jesus is the mediator jesus is our advocate jesus is the one who makes us able who makes us capable i'm here as a pastor to give you spiritual direction and to give you encouragement we are in community because that's why god, that's how god designed us and that's how god made it but the truth is you are capable now here's what happens when you stand when you're in the stands When you just sit in the stands and you watch, it's much easier to criticize. Oh, he shouldn't be doing that. She shouldn't be doing that. Why? What about these? And listen, this is one of the most significant things that the the world kind of does when they look at the church. Well, what about those people? What about these guys? What about the guys I see on Fox News? Those guys don't look very Christian to me. They say they're Christians, but they don't act like it. When you're sitting in the grandstands, you can pick out all the flaws. But when you're on the team, there's only one way, only one way that you can change the team and that's being on the team. So if you're sick of things that happen in the church that you don't like, get on the team. Change it from within. Make it what you think it ought to be and what the world knows it should be. Right? They know how you and I are supposed to act. They're sitting there watching us. We need to play the game Excuse me. We need to play the game well. <laughs> Armchair quarterbacks are not really helpful. Get out of the stands and get into the game. Now, there's some Christians, and they've gotten out of the stands, and they've made it to the locker room. They made it to the locker room, and they're, they're down there, and they're in the locker room, and they're, they're, they're listening to the coach. And the, the coach just has so many good things to say. He's so wise. He has so much knowledge. He knows where the scriptures are. He just, he, I, he's, you might say to yourself, if you're sitting in the locker room, these Christians, they sit in the locker room and they want to listen to the coach and they just want to be poured into. They want to they see the play diagrammed on the board one more time. And they just love how the coach talks to them and they just get that really good feeling. They get pumped up. But then they don't want to go out And get in the game. They might say to themselves, Well, I'm not really ready yet. Like I I just need some more training. I need more understanding. I need I I can't get in the game yet because I don't know how to do it. They don't think they're capable. The game is just for the skilled. It's just for the people who are really good, really talented. Those people who are ready. Man, those people who've been in the system a long time. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not I'm not smart enough. (laughs) I'm not big enough. I'm not smart enough. (laughs) The scripture we just read, you're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. It's like you've been given the DNA of Jesus. You have different DNA than you had before. And it may not, you may not, you, you may not know all the ways to, uh, you may not know all the plays, you may not know all the things you're supposed to do and all the things you're supposed to say. That, who cares? You have raw talent because you've been born again. You've been injected with the DNA of Jesus. Yeah. You are His child. You are capable. You are able. You can pray for the people that you know who need Jesus. You can Share with them what's gone on in your life. You can tell them what you've seen and heard. You can, you, you can be used by God to minister to other people, to serve those in need, to feed the hungry, to care for the poor. You can do this. Get out of the locker room. Here's the thing. If you turn over just a couple more pages in uh, 1 John, 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. Look at what this says. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Skip down to verse 27. It says, as for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. <gasps> really? But I know so little. Here's what this passage says. It says that the Holy Spirit will teach you. I'm not arguing against being isolated or not being in community. I think that's how we're designed. I think that's what we're supposed to be in. That's how God works among us. But the truth is, you don't need the person to tell you everything. You don't need a man to tell you everything about what the scriptures say. You need to read the Bible for yourself. You don't need to come to church and just listen to me say what it says. You need to read the Bible for yourself, and the Holy Spirit then speaks to you if you ever hear anybody saying that their teaching and their their giftedness is the secret or is the way that you can be saved, run, get away. The Bible is for us, is is for every one of us to consume and to hear God speaking to us. And so we are kings and priests we have an anointing from the holy one we have received what god has he says but as this anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real not counterfeit just as it has taught you then remain in him turn to your turn your in your bible back to second peter second peter just a page back just a page back second peter Chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power, I love this, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the what? In the divine nature. You have His nature. (laughs) You don't have to be a skinny, scrawny quarterback that plays flag football. You can be like Ralph. If you know Ralph, he's huge. He's got muscles everywhere. I asked him to work out with me, but he said I was too small. No, he did not. He said, sure, I'll help you. (laughs) He actually did say, sure, I'll help you. And then I felt stupid. So, actually, it is going to happen, Ralph. We are going to do it. I am going to do it. Okay, so... (laughs) there's no way I'll ever be like Ralph without a supernatural intervention. <laughs> no, that's not true. If I, if I was diligent, but here's what, I, here's what I think. You look at some Christians, you look at others, you look at what they're doing, you look at their giftedness, You look at, and you think to yourself, there's no way I can ever do that. Jesus has made a way. He's given you his divine nature. You get to participate in it. So you can't just go into the locker room. you got to get out of the stands, get into the locker room, but then you got to get out of the locker room. I want you to get out of the locker room, and I want you to get out onto the field. Get out on the field. Now, there's some things that happen when you get out on the field. Some believers, they get out on the field, but they want to stay in the huddle because the huddle is so nice. It's so fun. They get in that huddle, they're like, Wow, do you see those guys over there? Those are big boys. I don't... I sure like it in here. You guys are cool. I really like you. They like to talk about the plays. Like the plays are so awesome. They like to just kind of share with each other, like, wow, that those cleats, those are some awesome cleats you got right there. I bet those make you really fast. We can't get out on the field and just stay in the huddle. We can't be huddled up together as Christians. We can't have a holy huddle. (laughs) What we have to have is we have to get out onto the field and play the game. We have to get engaged in the game. We have to connect with what God is doing. God wants us to call the play. He wants us to run the play. He wants us to be strategic. He wants us to plan, plan it, but get up to the line and run the play. Some believers get to the line, but they don't do their job when the play is being run. They want to do somebody else's job. You get, you get Christians and they get up to the line and they want—they're ready to call the play, but they're like, "Hey, I don't—I don't like being on the offensive line. I want to be receiver. Hey, I want to be the quarterback. How come I don't ever get to be the quarterback?" First Corinthians chapter twelve. Turn back to it. First Corinthians chapter twelve. To your left. In the scriptures from where you are in 2 Peter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Watch this. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's describing how we work together. He says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though it's all its parts are many, they form one body. Everybody say one body. One body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, God's Spirit. Now, the body is made up of one part, not of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would, for, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. This is the whining that goes on in the body of Christ sometimes. I don't like this. I need to be the eye. I want to do something else. I don't like being the offensive line person. It's mean in there. Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged, and here's the verse I want you to see, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all just one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God is in charge of placing you and putting you where you belong, where you can do the best for the kingdom of God. Several years ago, I went to sing the national anthem with my brothers. We got to sing the national anthem at Invesco Field at Mile High. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, and it was so fun being there in that field uh, and and we got you know we had sideline passes, and so we were walking on this, around on the sidelines. You would not believe the size of these guys. They were huge. I mean it's like massive tree trunks kind of just walking around. It's incredible it's like it's like their legs are the size of my body, you know it's <laughs> It was amazing, and so I was getting ready to go out and sing uh, the National Anthem with my, with my brothers, and I'm carrying the, the stand with the microphone on it, and it's going to go to the whole stadium, so we're singing a cappella, so we're running out onto the field. Well, the players had already been introduced, and they were on the field, and so they're running off the field while I'm running onto the field, and so I'm carrying this microphone, I'm like, oh my gosh these guys are so huge. And I was like freaked out at first. But then I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm on the field with the Denver Broncos. And so I started, I like tried to high five one guy. (laughs) He was so awesome. He he high fived me. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm high fiving a whole string of them. Like this is so incredible. And I'm high fiving everybody. I get to the last guy. I'm like, (laughs) and he stiffs me in front of 50,000 people. (laughs) Like just, it was so embarrassing. So I was like, ooh, yeah. Get you later. <laughs> so we go there and sing the national anthem. Well, part as part of the singing the national anthem, we got to stay in the Champions Club, like this skybox. It was so awesome. We were there, and I could all this free food. And I'm not talking about nachos and, and hot dogs. I'm talking about actual, really good food. All of it that you could eat. So we're eating all this food, we're sitting in these primo seats, sitting down, and we're watching the field. It was amazing how we could see every play developing. Every play was just, oh, this guy's wide open, here it is. Oh, look, oh, they're in trouble now. You could just see it, you could see, watch it happening, and I, I got it. I was like, wow, we're playing on the field, and we get confused, we get frustrated, we don't know what's happening, but God has a much better view than you do. God has a much better view than we do. And so we've got to be the kind of people that will not just sort of play in our spare time. We've got to be the kind of people that will engage in the game. God sees what's going on. He's designing the plays. He's strategizing behind the scenes. He sees. He knows what's going on. But all the offensive linemen down there sees is the guy right in front of him the guy right in front of him, and it's hard, it's nasty down in there. There is blood and sweat and tears. Last thing I want to challenge you to do is get out of the stands, get out of the locker room, get out onto the field, but then you got to get down in the trenches. You got to be willing to get down in the trenches of people's lives. You got to be willing to let other people get in the trenches of your life. You got to be willing to get down there and, 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 get your assignment there is a there's a blocking assignment that you've got there is somebody that you're supposed to cover there is a person that you're supposed to engage with when you're on the team and so what happens to so many christians is they get discouraged they get hurt they get wounded stuff happens out there on the field there's no doubt about it the trenches are 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 mean and cruel places but let me tell you this let me tell you this it's a way of life in the nfl to play hurt it's a way of life in the NFL to play hurt. You gotta play because you're tough. You gotta play, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're engaging in the game and giving your team the best chance to win. Don't think to yourself, oh, you know, I'm still, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I I can't do anything for God. No. He's healing you. In fact, what's happening is while you play, there's some, what happens is adrenaline and energy that starts get coming into you and allows you to play through even some of the pain. It's an incredible thing. And he will, I think what happens is the body, you know, it's incredible how the body heals itself. And sometimes you do have to come out of the game. Sometimes the coach is going to pull you, but let the coach pull you. Let the coach pull you and, and, and don't sit on the sidelines. Who's the guy who sat on the sidelines recently and he got all that criticism? Cutler. If you know about, uh, I can't remember his first name now, Jay Cutler. Yeah, J- Jay Cutler. They, they got all kinds of criticism because he went off the field and just sat on the sidelines. Now listen, he, evidently he was really hurt. But there's something that I think we have to learn about this idea, and I want you to learn it from Philippians chapter three, verse Philippians th- chapter three verse ten. <laughs> Which direction? Where are we? Are we in Corinthians? To your right. I like given directions in the Scripture. Don't you like that? Philippians three verse ten. Look at this. Verse 12, let's, let's, let's have three verse, uh, verse 12. Uh, let's start in verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his <gasps> sufferings. Sometimes there's a process when we're working through things and when we're working through suffering that God is helping us, teaching us, training us, and actually healing us in the middle of it. He's, he's sharing. We share in his sufferings, and then we share in his resurrection power. There's no doubt about it. You don't get one without the other. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, he says, or that I have already, have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of me. Now, I'm going to press. I'm going to push. He says, brothers, in verse 13, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Notice, he was very humble. He didn't consider himself as a guy that had it all figured out, had it all ready to go. It is not a prerequisite for you to know every play and know everything about everything that's going on on the, on the field or in the team for you to be in the game. What you have to do is you have to trust, trust the coaches, you have to trust your teammates, and you have to trust that God is orchestrating And designing. So he says, I, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to what? To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The trenches are a place where we've got to commit our lives to be invested in another you know, some people's lives are messy. Your life is probably more messy than you'd like to admit. You've got to get on the field and let other people in. You've got to let the kingdom of God work its way into you. You've got to work, let the healing power of God work its way into you. And you will never let that happen if you're sitting in the stands. Jesus is calling you to get in the game. Sometimes Christians they get their uniform on. They get everything ready. They're all ready to go. They got their cleats, got their pads. Their uniform is neat and clean. And they don't want to get it dirty. But I'm convinced that what we have is a faith that must get dirty. I think Our Christian faith is not a neat and tidy religion. It's not a country club or a social gathering. It requires commitment and it requires a dirty faith. Faith that is tested by the trenches of day-to-day living. Honesty, blood, sweat, tears. It is a faith that is tested. There are no ivory towers. We don't just get to escape From this cruel world. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. It's about engaging in the cruel world. It's about engaging in a a way that serves the poor and feeds the hungry. It's about clothing the naked, helping people escape from the depths of their sin. That requires more than a really nice prayer at the end of a service. I want you to get in the game. I don't want you to let this church planting thing go by. We're five months old, almost six months old. I don't want you to watch from the sidelines. I want you to engage. I want you to find a connect group. You don't know what to do? I can tell you this. There's a bunch of kids across the hallway that need somebody who will love them and care for them. And that's not, that's not, that shouldn't be seen as our lowest thing that we could do. It is one of the highest priorities that we can give ourselves to. One of the great things about working in the children's ministry is you meet all the parents you don't know anybody here? Start engaging. Start finding a place to serve. Start engaging the the coworker at work. You might not, you, you, they might not even be near ready to hear the gospel message, you know, as you, sh- as you would want to share it and lead them to Christ. Maybe that, they're not ready for that, but you can start praying for them. You can start engaging in their lives. You can start getting into the mess and the muck of their lives, how messed up they are, and you can begin to get integrated Begin to speak into their lives, begin to allow them to speak into your life so you can know where they're coming from. You're gonna have to get dirty. You're gonna have to You're gonna have to get down in the trenches. I heard somebody say one time, You gotta play this game like someone just hit your mom with a two by four. You got to play football like somebody just hit your mom with a two by four and you are so mad. You've got to make sure that this doesn't happen again. I think there's something to that in our mentality about building the kingdom, about, st- about stretching for the prize, about reaching for what God has for us. It's smash mouth Christianity that I'm talking about. Have you ever seen the evangelism linebacker? Okay, it's not, I'm not talking about the evangelism linebacker, which is a little series of videos where some guy wants to share Christ with somebody so desperately that he comes up to everybody and anybody that he meets and he smashes them and he and pummels them on the ground and then starts telling them about Jesus. That is not the way to share Christ. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the perseverance and endurance it takes to be patient, to sow seeds, to share with a person who's in need, when they are even trying to reject you. Being willing to gut it out. Being willing to make it to the, to the goal line. Being willing to press and to stretch and to work and to dig. You can't play it safe. We cannot play it safe. We can't do this church plant thing and just be a nice, another little place for people to gather on Sunday mornings. We have to see people be radically transformed. We need to see miracles. We need to see God doing incredible things in people. And that's going to take us working together on a team, it's going to take us getting in the game. You can't play the game not to lose, you got to play it to win. Let's pray together. I want you just to bow your head and I just want you to consider where you are in your relationship with God. I want you to consider where you are in your Christianity. I want you to just take a moment and I want you to reflect. Are you in the game or not? Some of you have been spectators for way too long. You've been watching and you need to engage. Some of you are dressed, you're ready, you're trained, but you're afraid. Your uniform's totally clean, you're afraid to get in. You're, you're, you're so busy, you're so full of everything else, but you feel like God's calling you today. Some of you are in the game because, because you know you should be, but you're not given 100%. We're not going to fulfill the, the plan and purpose of God for our lives until we surrender 100%. So I want you all over this room. I want you just to open up your hands to the Lord, if you would, just on your on your lap, just palms up towards Jesus. And I want you to, as you consider, because it's a choice. It's a decision. There is a decision. You're either going to get in, or you're, or you're not. I want you to make the decision to get in. I want make. I want you to make the decision to to go for it. Not be afraid not be fearful allow Jesus to inhabit you and empower you and and strengthen you Father we're here and we're here because we do love you we're here because we believe you have a purpose and a plan but some of us have been afraid some of us have been um, not sure what to do some of us look at our friends and they say we could never do what they do. We're unhappy with our spot or our place. Father, would you settle all that today? Would you just settle that with us? That we would become the people you've called us to be and that you would call us call us into the game. Call us into the game. Like that guy at the end of the game who really hasn't been in. Maybe he doesn't deserve to be in, but the coach calls him and says, all right, you're in. We want to feel the, the nervousness and the sense of anticipation and the confidence that you have in us by sending us into the game. So help us, Lord. Help us to seek your face. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to turn and serve one another and share with one another, not to complain or whine, not to not to treat our teammates with disrespect, but with love and camaraderie. Help us, Lord God, to keep the goal in our sights, the goal of seeing people coming to you, coming into your kingdom, experiencing the wonder, the benefit, the love, the, the mercy and the grace of God. So that's, that's what we want help us to see it help us not to get distracted I thank you for that thank you for doing that we give our lives to you and now if I just want you to keep your eyes closed for a, another moment if you're here this morning and you haven't really ever followed Christ maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus your life to Christ or maybe it's been a long time since you've walked with him you've been away from from Christ I want you to I want you to make a declaration today that that you're coming back to him that you're going to follow him if I just described you and you felt like you like the Holy Spirit's calling you I want you to give your life to Christ again maybe maybe for the first time today first time in a long time I just want you to signify it I'm not gonna embarrass you I'm not gonna call you forward I just want you to lift your hand up in the air and say yep that's me I want to follow Jesus I want to follow Jesus. Anybody? Anyone? Yep, I see you, little man. I see you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for illumination. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for counting us worthy, that you thought we were good enough, (laughs) that you have confidence in us. Help us to have confidence in you. Give all of my friends here confidence and freedom to play the game well, to engage in the kingdom of God, to see you work, to see you move, to accomplish the goal of seeing people come to you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Last thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to uh, participate with giving our tithes and offerings. You know, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to worship the Lord with something so meaningful. And if if you're here for the first time at One Chapel, we don't expect you to give in this offering, but this is something that we've committed to because we are convinced that God owns it all. He owns everything we have. All we're doing is giving back a little portion to him that he asks for to build his kingdom. And so we give it willingly. We don't give it out of duty. We give it because it's worship to Him. And if there's one thing that demonstrates that we are given to Him, that we worship Him with everything we have, it's really the ability to let go of our money (laughs) because it's the thing that holds onto our hearts the tightest. And so uh, we give in this offering as worship to God. And so everybody stand up and let's pray over this offering. Let's ask Jesus to use it. Father, we give in this offering because... We want to worship you and want to tell you that we love you and we, we, we are so grateful for you. And Lord, we pray that you'd use everything we give to build your kingdom, to, to serve the poor, to feed the hungry, to, to help those who are in need. Father, we want this offering to go around the world as we give to missions, as we give to, to the gospel being spread to the very darkest parts of the planet. Father, we want, to, we want to give to your purpose and give to your kingdom, so we give it to you. Take it, use it as you will. Lord, we offer it with joy. We offer it with love. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship God as we get it.